Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Bethlehem Church Podcast, where our goal is to offer you compelling biblical content to equip you to live an empowered Christian life. Each week, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Matt Robinson, or another member of the Bethlehem team. We also host a conversation every week where we unpack different facets of Sunday's message. We're so excited about this message, and we hope it's a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. We're going to start this morning in the same spot that we started last week. Last week we talked about our coastal king. And I wanted to kind of paint this picture. Of course, we have a boat on the stage, and we're running with this coastal Christmas theme. And not to be tethered to it, uh, but I wanted to show you that those, those were the lands, the coastal lands that Jesus went to, and specifically for his ministry, being born in Bethlehem, uh, but yet continuing up to Capernaum and Nazareth and that part, that region of the city around the Sea of Galilee, getting there by way of the sea, uh, that flight from Egypt. So we kind of painted this picture of what Jesus did, our coastal king. Uh, in one sense, he went to the worst, the, the most pagan, the darkest place in that nation to bring the light to the world. And we know we're a byproduct of that. Churches, God God's plan to bring the gospel to all the nations. That's why we're sitting here. That's why we partner with the Andersons. That's why we do missions, right? It's at the heartbeat. We are a church that desires to plant other churches. Do you know that? Do you know that's what our mission is? That is our mission here. We want to grow this building, this church, this place here down in Bully's Quarters to the point that we can facilitate planting another church somewhere else in our community. That's that's our goal. We believe that. It's, it's who we are. And all of that stems back to this place in Bethlehem, where our Savior was born, where he came the first advent, and we're driven by the fact that he came once, and guess what? He promised that he's coming what? Again, he's coming back. There will be a second advent from the second Adam, and we're excited about that. Uh, but we talked about that, and if you missed last week's, last week's message online or in person, go back and listen to, the, to it. There'll be a little bit of review this morning, but not much because we're going to go in a different direction. The title of today's message is Coastal Chaos. Coastal Chaos. When we talk about this time of the year, Christmas time, right? Not holiday time, but Christmas time. Uh, you, you know what I mean when I say that Christmas time, who it's all about? Uh, Jesus, the Christ child uh, for Christmas. See what I'm doing there? Uh, anyway, this time of the year, it can be a chaotic time. Why? Because we're getting together with family. Uh, you know, we, I went to Tennessee during Thanksgiving and spent some time. All of us got together. It had been several years since that had happened. Uh, and then I realized when I do it, why we don't do it. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. Anyway, and if any of my family is watching, I'd say it to your face. God bless you. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, it, it's, it's drama mama sometimes when mama and everybody else is in the room, isn't it? And, uh, look, we're going to look at a family dynamic, a family part of the story this morning, probably one of my favorite parts of the, the story of Christmas time and, and our Savior being born. Um, but I just wanted to draw the, the connection here that, look, there's been drama and family hardships from the beginning. 
you're not alone. If you get together and listen, I, I think it was just funny. Like, I don't know what it is about grandma's house. You know what I mean? Uh, something about my parents' house. They, they've had the same furniture for like 35 years. Do you know what I mean? Uh, like, can anybody attest to that? The same, it, it's like it never changed. And, and I'm being a little facetious. They bought new furniture when I left the house but it still hasn't changed. You know what I'm saying? It's literally, you like sink into it and you kind of disappear, you know? And if you want to come back, you're like, help. <laughs> Someone throw me a rope to get out of that thing. You know, it like swallows you up. Uh, but it, it was just funny. The, uh, I was trying to figure out, you know, Netflix on the TV because now I have four kids. Can you beat that? I never thought it was going to happen like that, Steve. Four, that's a lot. (laughs) And then they have six, and I'm like, we got work to do, babe. If you're watching online, we got work to do. No, Uh, my poor wife, she's at home sick still. Please pray for her. Um, Oh, see, babe, they they love you. Uh, But (laughs) anyway, uh, but it's just funny. We all get in the room, and I'm like, look, we need, not that my children are dependent on Netflix. They're not. I know some are. Uh, but we, we let them have it every now and then. And I'm thinking like all these kids between my older sister, the middle sister, and all of mine, all in this three-bedroom, two-bath house, uh, it's a lot. It, it can be very chaotic, right? So I'm like, man, I got to get the Netflix figured out. And, and I'm like, mom, you know, can we figure out Netflix here? Like, I got to sign in. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if that's against the rules, but I got to sign in. Can we plug it in? And she's like, I don't know. So I look online and it says Fire Stick, Fire Stick, Fire Stick. There's like three of them. And I'm like, a fire stick will work. And she's like, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, how do you not know what it is? It says that you have three of them. Did you buy one? She's like, let me tell you something. This is really cool. Over the last couple weeks, we've been in this house 15 years. It wasn't the house I grew up in. They they got new everything when I left. Uh, she's, She's like, in this house over the last year, the fire, it like cuts off and comes back on now. And I'm like, that's probably a a thermostat. You know, mom, like you turn it on. I'm like, did you turn it down? And then it cut off. Is that what it happened? I don't know, but it's never done that before. And the fire was coming on and coming off. I'm like, yeah, that's really neat, mom. She's like, is that what you're talking about? The fire stick? (laughs) No, mom, that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) And my mom's like 68 years old, you know, uh, did I say that? I said that out loud and I'm on camera. Sorry, mom. I love you. God bless you. But anyway, I'm like, no, mom, I'm not talking about the fire stick when you're talking about your fire that cuts on and off. I'm like, this is helpless. And then like on top of that, it's like their TV has gotten bigger over the years, but the stand that has been the same literally since I was a baby has stayed the same. And I'm like, we should probably grow the stand with the TV. This is unsafe. It's not hung on a wall. I'm like, oh my goodness. It's chaos sometimes when you go to grandma's house, but it's necessary nonetheless. You know what? Life is messy. Life is chaotic. And if we started talking now about all of our drama, and I'm just being silly and poking fun at my family, and we'll clip this and send it to them sometime during the week. But, uh, you know, the the point is, is if we all started talking about, like, what our family, uh, the makeup of our family and how it works and runs and the dynamic, we'd be here all day and into next year, right, about the things that we've dealt with and the things that we've gone through. And some are blended families and and the challenges that are represented there. You understand what I'm saying? The holidays are difficult times because they're complicated times. They're chaotic times because we are complicated. We are not easy people to get along with. Can I get a witness? Amen? 
And, and we're all sinful creatures. And if you don't think you're a sinful creature, you're the one causing all the problems in the family, right? And you need to go to counseling. No. Uh, but the, the point is, is we all struggle with it. And so reading this story, uh, I want to pull out a part of the humanity, of the humanity, that aspect of the story that I think, will, listen, it resonates a lot with me, a lot. And I think that it will resonate with you. And I want to give you three helpful things on one, from one person in the story that I think often, often gets overlooked. Often. And when I'm doing this, when I'm pulling up and talking about this guy, what I'm not doing, I'm not diminishing Jesus. I'm not diminishing Mary. And what she did, it was difficult. And it was hard. And she was a very virtuous and holy woman, Right? We know that. We know those things. So when I'm focusing on this one person, look, we have three weeks during this Christmas series, right? Uh, I'm not ignoring the others, but I'm just saying, I think this year, the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week and said, why don't you highlight that fella? And so that's what I'm going to do today. But we're going to do it in a unique way. We're going to walk through Matthew chapter 1, and then we're going to land again in the Old Testament, the book of Micah, where it's foretold again, uh, where it's prophetic. And I, want, I said this last week, and I want this to happen. When we summon passages from the past, long before the Christ child was ever born, I want that to build up your faith. I want you to realize that uh, this was foretold, this was prophetic, and when we see things that were foretold that came true, prophesied and came true, I want you to know that things can be prophesied in your life and they can come true, and the same God that brings Jesus here 2,000 years ago will bring Jesus to the heart of every believer, will bring his Holy Spirit, and he will bring things to pass in your life. So I want you to be encouraged this morning. But let's go to Isaiah chapter 7 and let's look at this together. It says, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 13 and 14, where we started last week, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, a sign. sign. Say, give me a sign. That's right. (laughs) See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. We started there last week, and we know that the prophet Isaiah goes from chapter 7 to chapter 9, connects the two, and tells us more about the place that Jesus goes and ministers, and that was last week's message. But this week, I want to focus on this this word here that a virgin will conceive, a sign that a virgin will conceive, have a son, and you're going to name him God with us. There was a plan for God to come to the world. We recall from last week that the Lord comes to illuminate the darkest places. He comes to defeat our enemies. He comes that he may reign forever. That's what happens when he comes. But have we thought about the process at which he and how he got here? Have we thought about this morning what it cost others to get him here? We think often the fact that he's here and he's born and this is amazing and the implications are, yay, he illuminates the dark place. Yes, he conquers your enemies, makes them your footstool. Yes, he will reign forever and ever and ever. But how did he get here? What about that process? Remember, he was 33 and a half when he died. He grew in wisdom and in stature as a man. What about those that contributed to his growth? What about those that contributed to his birth? We have to consider this this morning. 
So I want to talk about this. I want to focus on the part of the story that was right before God got with us. Right before Emmanuel came. That's the part of the story that I want to talk about this morning. Go to Matthew chapter 1. Quickly, Matthew chapter 1, if you have your program pulled up, it's right there. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. I think this is a funny uh, account of it, and I think it's great. Remember that the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are, are four separate accounts of the same what? Same what? Same story. That's right. Okay, thank you, Mr. Dan. God bless you. Love you. Good to see you. Uh, <laughs> look at verse number 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way, colon. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. We celebrate his birth, right? We celebrate it. It's amazing, and it is. And we have a season, and rightfully so. But it came about this way. You know, this is a, the most entitled generation I've ever seen. Ooh, I got a good mmm on that one. <laughs> we got a bunch of boomers that feel the same way in here. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is an entitled generation. What does that mean? It means they think they deserve something just for the sake of being born. It's mine. I receive it. And often because they've just been handed what? Everything. Look, might I explain this? That most Christians are entitled. Most Christians accept the implications of the Christ child, but yet we forget how he got here. And the whole plan and how the Lord worked that plan. Look, this was... This was a lot. This was a lot to pull off. There were people that had to submit to that plan along the way. Okay, so let's, let's read it. Verse number 18. The birth of Jesus came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together, if you know what I mean, that she was pregnant from the Holy Ghost. That sounds like a line from Mari. Or from whatever show. I don't know what it is. Is there a daytime show that does that still? Someone tell me. Is it Mari still? That's what it was back when I was a kid. You got a snow day. You turn on the TV back then. It was a big TV. Like real, as deep as it was wide. And it was Mari. And they had that envelope. They pulled it out. You are the father. You know to be the whole, the whole gamut. And they're like, no, he's, he's no, for real. Look, it doesn't lie. It's a test. DNA. You're the father. Oh, man, I knew it. He looks just like me. <laughs> anyway. Her line was, this is of the Holy Ghost. And he's like, uh-huh, like that hasn't been used before. <laughs> uh-huh. That's original. That's original. And, and people all over the world, women all over the world, man, I'm going to use that one this year. <laughs> Let's see. Anyway, it worked for Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just telling you how I'm reading the story. Look at it. Everybody wants to go to Luke 2, right? And we'll go there next week. But before we go to Luke 2, we're going to talk about the coastal chaos. If there's anything that BQ and this area of town and where we serve, there's broken families here. There's broken families. I come from a broken, put back, broken, put back together family over and over, back and forth. Look, it, it's a part of our brokenness. And, and it was a part of their story too. It wasn't a perfect situation, but it was a perfect situation. The Lord uses our brokenness, comes alongside of us and shows that he's the only perfect part of the story. Man. 
But, but let's go back to the text here because it gets better. It really does. They were engaged before they came together. She was pregnant of the Holy Ghost. Verse 19. So her husband, Joseph, there's, I'm just going to say this. I don't know if we'll get to communion this week, but I want to say this. There are, there's so many good things. There's a young man in this room today that if you hear what I'm going to say, it will change the trajectory of your life. There's a young man here that if you hear and watch and emulate the way this man Joseph acted, the Lord will use you one day. You hear me? This is amazing what he did and how he acted. Look at it. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, we talk about how good we are, the good things we do, but is it actually who we are? He was the state of being a righteous man. And not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Don't miss that part of the story. Jo- was Joseph going to divorce Mary? Yes or no? Yes, he was. He was going to divorce her. Verse number 20. But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. That's key. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And I'm sure he was like, mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, the first verse that I read. You ready? See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And here's verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son and named him Jesus. We're going to focus on that part of the story right there. We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. You all right with that? So let's put ourselves in Joseph's shoes. He gets home from the grocery store, and he looks on the table, and right there on the counter is the pregnancy test. Mary already took it. And he walks over, and he's like, we ain't married yet. I mean, we ain't been, you know what I mean. We haven't been together yet. Why Why is there a pregnancy test, Mary? Last time I checked, I married a chaste woman. Last time I checked, we were on the same page. And you have to consider the culture. This cost him everything. The home that he had gone about building for her. The the time that they had invested in their relationship, this one thing, this one issue, he was ready to flush it all down the toilet. He was ready to walk away from it all and divorce her because of that positive pregnancy test right there on the counter. And he picks it up and he looks at it and he goes, can you imagine what he felt? But it was the very thing the Lord wanted him to walk through. If we can understand the implications here, they're incredible. 
Here's the first thing I see for Joseph. Number one, righteousness matters most when you are faced with the unfaceable. Righteousness matters most when you are faced with the unfaceable. That was a thing that I can't imagine. I'm sure everybody knows that's lived long enough to understand that you endure hard things. That feeling in the pit of your stomach. That phone call that you got. That horrible thing that you feel in here where you're like, it's just not right. There's injustice and I feel it to my core. I'm sure that's what he was going through. But here's what happens in life. Understand this, that when you run empty with life, when life is at its hardest, when you have to face the unfaceable and you're going along in your spiritual journey and it's one blow after another, after another, you go by every gas station that are there to keep you fueled up. And here's what some of us do. When life has us running on empty, we pull up to the wrong pump. Satan is there on the side of the road and he's flagging you down. There's no such thing as self-service with Satan. He's ready to take the tank and fill you with anger. Oh, you're empty because of life? Oh, you found out your fiance cheated on you? Come on. Here's some anger. Here's some bitterness. And we wonder why we don't continue down the path that God has for us. Because when the unfaceable happens and you're running on empty, you allow Satan to fill your tank. But Joseph didn't allow that. What did he do? Here's what he did. He said, I'm running on empty. When you're running on empty and you can't find the remedy. Just come to the what? To the well. And all who search will search no more. And all who search will find what their souls long for. The world will try, but it can never fail. Leave it all behind and come to the what? Here's what the Lord does. The Lord says, pull on up. And he fills your tank with righteousness. Oh my goodness, if we could just realize the implications that when we're depleted, when we have nowhere to go and we're empty, the Lord says, pull up to my pump and I fill you with righteousness. If you would have the fuel of the righteousness of God, you would come out of your challenges differently. You would come out of the unfaceable facing it. Pastor, I can't imagine. Pastor, what I'm facing. I cannot face it. You're right, you can't. Pull up to the gas pump and let the Lord fill you with his righteousness to face it. Listen, you've tried your anger over and over. You've tried your sin. You've tried your flesh. You know how I'm going to handle this marriage issue? With lust. I'm going this way. I'm going to fill up my tank with lust. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth. Yeah. And your car done exploded four or five times. Every time you pull into the church, I need a new engine. <laughs> you know, I need a new one. Oh, Lord, here we go. And it's okay. From that perspective, the Lord wants you to confess. The Lord wants you to give you a new engine every time. But it seems to me that the debt is paid. The car is paid off. And he will continue to fill. If you ask, he gives it liberally. Look, if there's a gas tank that can be filled right now free and liberally, you better take it. You know what I'm saying? 
Because every gas station right now is expensive. The world is no different. You fill up with that junk and that garbage. Here's what I'm trying to explain to you. Righteous, number one, righteousness matters most when you're faced with the unfaceable. Here's how I know. Look, look at verse 19. It says this. He being a righteous man. <laughs> so what does that mean? It means that when the hard things happen to you, that's when you find out if you're righteous or not. Or if you allow the Lord, his righteousness to work in your lives. If we're honest and transparent, many of us do not. Many of us struggle. We could stop right here and repent and work on this point alone. You feel me? We need to pull up to the pump and get some righteousness in there to continue. If Joseph did not lean into his righteousness, at that moment, I see that pregnancy test. Are you for real? Are you kidding me? I mean, how would you have reacted? Huh. Shoot. I mean, come on, fellas, you know, you know what I'm saying? About to use that jujitsu, you know what I'm saying? I'm about to pull it out. I got a takedown, Dana, let's go. I'm about to find him. Where's he at? Oh, his name's the Holy Ghost. Okay. <laughs> the Holy Ghost. He going to be holy. Nine, nine millimeter, shoot. About to put 10 of them down range. 18 plus one, just kidding. <laughs> Who has 10 in their nine millimeter these days? Not me. <laughs> anyway, don't rob my house, seriously. <laughs> anyway, it'd be a mistake. <laughs> Sorry. Yep, uh-huh, wow, that's the only thing to say. Number two. This one, I put this on Facebook last night. Just for the play, never mind. I have strange humor, I really do. Number two, important decisions need private time before prime time. Number one, I'm telling y'all, listen this morning. We'll learn a thing or two from Joseph. Righteousness matters most when faced with the unfaceable. Number two, important decisions in life need private time before prime time. It says here in verse 19 and verse 20, verse 19 Look at it. He said he was going to divorce her secretly. The plan. In other words, he already came to a conclusion of what he was going to do. But that conclusion was a private conclusion before what he did was made what? What he was going to do was made what? Public. And then what happened? Verse 20. Joseph being a righteous man, putting her away secretly. Verse 20. But after he had considered these Things. The second tier to this, the first issue to coastal chaos, is that we don't fuel our pumps with righteousness. The second issue is that we jump to conclusions. I'm justified in doing it. I woke half of y'all up back there. Yes. I, I'm justified in acting this way. I can be righteous in my anger. I can make this decision to divorce her. That's right, you can. That's right, it is a positive pregnancy test. You're right, you can put her away with a bill of divorcement. It is in the law, it is legal. And he said, I'm going to act righteously and do it. And then what happened? He figured out that it was actually the Lord's plan for her to be pregnant. The very hard, incredible, unfaceable, degradating issue that's happening to you could be the Lord doing. 
And many of you will put prime time to your decisions before you put private time and you won't be able to go back on it. What would have happened if he would have shamed her publicly? What would have happened if he would have put her out there and said, yeah, look at this pregnancy test. Would he, uh, did that happen in that culture? Yes or no? Absolutely. And no one would have thought the otherwise for him. Uh, do you remember the implications of Jesus coming? He brings freedom to everyone. But in order for him to bring freedom, someone else had to be put in bondage. And that was Joseph. Joseph in his mind said, oh, I'm going to do this privately. I'm going to do the right thing, but it's going to be privately. And I'm going to think about it, and I'm going to pray about it. Some of you are faced with an incredibly difficult decision right now. Keep it off Facebook. Keep it off social media. Keep it off your family chat. Go to the Lord. You don't know how you'll feel about it in a week after a week of prayer. That very thing that you're struggling with, the Lord may have given it to you. At some point, what if, oh my goodness, think about the what ifs. What if we were to take our lives and our spiritual lives just as serious as Joseph took his? Maybe your life would have taken a different turn. Maybe the Lord would be using you right now through that difficulty rather than you feeling the shame 10 years later because you know you missed the boat. I'm just being truthful with you this morning. It's not about right and wrong in this issue. We all know that it was what? Wrong. It wasn't wrong, but it was wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? He was completely justified in how he felt. Completely. Completely but it would have been the wrong move. In a, in a day and... <laughs> this just cracks me up. We were joking about it this morning. When you download an app, when you search things on the internet, when you make a purchase, they make you agree to their terms of what? Yeah, but what, what do we call that? Their terms of privacy. Agree, 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 agree. <laughs> Everybody's so concerned about privacy and we agree to it and then they sell our information to like a hundred other companies, right? but you're going to agree, we take your privacy so seriously. Does anybody believe Apple and Google when they say that? <laughs> this device is the most secure device in all the world. How did Trump become a spokesperson for Apple? I don't know. <laughs> in all the world. <laughs> Tim, I'll tell them. They'll believe <laughs> it's all about. It's all about privacy. Who are we kidding? We're the most loose-lipped generation on the face of the planet. If the Lord puts you through a trial, we don't have time to get in that trial to figure out what it's all about before 20 people know about it. And here's the problem. You, the devil is like, watch this. <laughs> They're going to feel so much shame. They're never going to go back to this plan. And the devil just sits there and he laughs at the Lord. <laughs> They ain't going to listen to you. They're going to tell all their friends about it. And you're trying to use suffering in 2021? <laughs> These Americans, they can't deal with suffering. You're going to try to use a bad, the Lord takes what's bad and turns it into good. You think they believe that in 2021? <laughs> I mean, you laugh, but we don't. We don't accept it. Something, as soon as something bad happens, <laughs> I'm shocked at what Christians can't cope with. 
We got the blood of Jesus. We got the Holy Ghost. And we can't walk through a hard relationship issue. We can't have a hard conversation in our marriage. We can't tell the truth. And we're just... Just spewing everything, everywhere. And then we wonder why we can't walk that back into actually using that thing for good. Listen, big decisions, church, need private time before prime time. If Joseph hadn't had a private place instead of a public place, the prophecy would not have been fulfilled. Not through him, at least. You understand what I'm saying? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard, but it's necessary. Here's the last thing. Number three, the role that the Holy Spirit wants you to play in God's plan should be the most important to you. What happened? Well, the Holy Ghost in a dream told him, no, you need to marry her. No, you need to marry her. And and on top of that, Joseph, it has been prophesied, remember, uh, Isaiah chapter 7 A virgin will conceive and have a what? A virgin will have a what? A son. Um, So Joseph, you're going to go ahead and marry her because you you acted righteously. You were obedient. And he's going to get the raw end of the deal. What do you mean, pastor? Well, it says here in Matthew, when Joseph woke up, he did exactly what the Lord commanded. He married her but they did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to his son. Is there a reason that's in the text? Yes or no? Uh Uh-huh. You see, the plan that the Lord has for you requires you to be disciplined. Requires you to put the plan before yourself. Well, okay, I get it now. All right, so, I mean, let's just be honest. He's a man. He's worked hard. And it's his God-given right to take her as a wife. He has done the preparation needed. And he's going to take her as a wife, and he should be able to have sexual relations with her. He should be able to. That's what the Bible says, right? But then he, being a righteous man, says, no, I'll marry you, and we will not have sexual relations. You can't get young people to not have sex before they get married. Much less, okay, you're married and you're going to wait nine months because the Lord has a prophecy that you need to fulfill. You'd have been like, I'm outsies. <laughs> nah, nah, not this guy. The Lord, you can forgive me of that sin, right? We are the most un... I, this is rough preaching this morning. I'm sorry. No, I'm not really, but... Some of y'all listen. You're just unwilling to do the hard thing. You're unwilling. And the Lord's calling you to something, and it's far greater than you will ever. What you think, the life that you think you'll have trying to eat, drink, and be merry this side of heaven is nowhere near the life that you'll have when you delay instant gratification and you give your life to the king. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake will what? Will find it. And Joseph said, all right, I mean... The Holy Ghost told me. Some of y'all, the Holy Ghost has told you over and over and over again. But because it requires nine months of you not having that thing that you really want, you continue to say no. That's a problem. It's a huge problem. 
I think uh, maybe some in the words of Paul, whose God is their belly. When was the last time you said no to something that you wanted to do because you knew that it would contribute to God's plan for your life? We really, here's the thing. This is an issue of value. We don't value what the Lord wants in our life more than what we want in our lives. It's an issue of value. When the Holy Ghost speaks, if you don't value his voice more than the voice that tells you what you want, you'll never have a spiritual life that goes anywhere. You're dead on the side of the road. Here I am. We're real good at sinning, aren't we? We're real good at it. We have a sin nature. But the Lord has given you the Holy Spirit that is greater in you than he that is in the world. Now, here's what I want to do. Take your Bibles and go to Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, and we close with this. Here's another prophecy. Now, daughter who is under attack, you slash yourself in grief. A siege is set against us. They are striking the judge of Israel on the cheek with a rod. Verse number 2 is prophetic here. You ready? Bethlehem, <laughs> Bethlehem, Epaphra, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel from me, for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. Born in Bethlehem. Who's he talking about? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The prophet Micah is prophesying the same thing that Isaiah prophesied. But he says, you're going to come from Bethlehem. Hmm. The house and lineage of who? Who would his daddy need to be in order for that prophecy to come true? Huh? And then fast forward. Joseph. Who would his daddy need to be? Joseph. The house and lineage of David. Going, because that's where he's from, being taxed, going back to his hometown, Bethlehem, where it would be prophesied that he would be born. That's because of who his daddy was. You understand what I'm saying? That plan of him being his father fit into the prophecy. It was supposed to be Joseph. The Lord knew what he was doing. Look what happens. Look at verse number three in the book of Micah chapter five. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor shall give birth. Then the rest of the ruler's brothers will return to the people in Israel. I underlined this part. He will stand and shepherd them in the strength of the Lord. In the majestic name of the Lord his God. I, I underline this. They will live securely. For then his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. Has it not? He will be, what's the next two words? Their or our peace. <laughs> when Assyria invades our land, when it marches against our fortresses, we will raise against it seven shepherds, even eight leaders of men. They will shepherd the land of Israel with the sword, the land of Nimrod with a drawn blade. So what are the next four words? He will rescue us from Assyria when it invades our land. When it marches against our territory. Let me, let me just tie up. Let me just put a bow on this right here for you. None of you will save anyone. He will. None of you 
will take a coworker that is anxious and give them peace. He will. None of you will be able to save someone from their sins. He will. None of you will be able to go before and conquer their enemies and give them a spiritual life. Who will? He will. The same prophecy that said Jesus is coming from Bethlehem states that Joseph needed to be that little baby's daddy. And he had to follow the plan and he had to follow the script even though it wasn't easy. He had to do the righteous thing when his desire was to divorce her. He had to do the waiting thing when he wanted to put her away now. And he had to put his own desires on the back burner until he was born so that the prophecy was fulfilled exactly the way that it was given. Why? Because Jesus will save the world from their sins because he will be our conquering king. At some point, you have to realize where we fit in the plan, church. When it comes to Christmas time, it is your responsibility to lead that person to him. You are not the savior. You're the obedient one. You're not the one with the idea. You're the one there to execute the plan. Who will you be Joseph for during this holiday season? That's what really matters. Look, we're trying to be the Savior. The Savior already came. If you were Joseph, would he have brought peace to your coworkers? If you go back through the prophecy, if you were Joseph, would you bring your family into the security of the family of God? If you were Joseph. Well, that's just how our family dynamic works. No, we're all sinners and we all struggle. It's not a cop out anymore. The Lord gave you the Holy Ghost when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And that means that he wants to use you to get to somebody else. Will you allow that to happen? Will you put your wants and desires on the back burner for somebody else? There's going to be a lot of people in the kingdom of God when he comes the second time that go, huh, I missed the boat. I didn't do what I could. I was worried about me. Thanks for tuning in for this message on the Bethlehem Church Podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. If you want to know more about us, feel free to check out our website at BethlehemChurch.cc. And also in every message that we publish, you'll find our sermon notes in the description. And we hope that you'll study these topics further. We'll see you next time.